Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 491 for Wednesday the 15th. I'm still getting used to it. Wednesday the 15th of February 2017. Nice to see you tonight. We are going into the mailbag. We've got your viewer questions and a couple of them referring to past episodes as well. We're going to dig back into that. So you want to stick around? Sasha Dermatis is here with me. Jeff couldn't be here tonight, but nice to see you. I am so happy to be here for viewer question extravaganza, which is Mm. my favorite episode every time we do it. I always get it. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I also always get the news. So let's do that. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. A tiny drone built to pollinate flowers has been built in Japan. A college network has been attacked with its own insecure IoT devices. A new implant method could give amputees direct nerve control of artificial limbs. Have a Vizio TV spying on you. And a passenger carrying drone is ready to fly in Dubai. These stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Please help me welcome tonight's Sasha Dermatis. Hi, everybody. Who joins me from beautiful Barrie, Ontario. Here we are. It's been snowing nonstop. Nonstop. In fact, one of our local DJs posted this picture of uh, a sidewalk leading up to the college here in Barrie, Ontario. Um, Good luck with that. If you ever wanted privacy, now is now it here it is. It's just one big snow maze here. You just it really is. That's Barry, folks. It's like over your head, and uh, where my house is situated, we're kind of on a bend. And of course, in hindsight, when winter comes here in Canada, uh, I start I start regretting bad. the bend. Yeah. Because the plow comes around, and the, I swear, the plow drivers. Love you. You're doing a great job. You saw the sidewalk there, nice and clean. But I think that they cackle as they pass my house. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I have had just a very interesting (laughs) plow situation very recently. My car. See, Dave is so sweet. and he's. This is her fiancé. Dave is awesome. So he snow blows, even though I wake up super early. I have to be at work for 6.30 in the morning. He, like, warms my car up. This is, like, a good catch. So he... (laughs) He snowblowed behind my car so I could get on onto the street, but then my car got stuck in the street because the plow hadn't been there yet. Seriously. But then the plow started coming down the street. Now, of course, oh, no. he was downstairs already. Because he <laughs> He's like, I just I passed Robbie's house. Now I'm going to take you out. So then I had, then I was panicking. I had the plow yeah. waiting for me to get oh, my car dear. moved. So yeah. I had to get a neighbor who luckily also leaves really early in the morning and Dave back from inside yeah. to push my car back in the driveway. So so then the plow could plow the snow and block me in again. All of that, I was only 10 minutes late for work. Wow. Like, that was a lot of drama for 6 o'clock in the morning. And this is all in the, a day in the life of a Canadian here in Ontario. <laughs> uh, you know, my story of the day is with all this, you know, the snow mm-hmm. and having to dig out of that at the end of the driveway. Uh, the driveway wasn't so bad. It's just at the end of the driveway, there's, like, this much snow. Yeah. This was the day that I was meant to come in for a chiropractic adjustment. So you remember that day. Yeah, good and thing. And I was, yeah. I needed one at yeah. that point. Good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, this morning was garbage day, so I'm walking now with my garbage bags, and I've just got my dress shoes on because I'm getting ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. Walk to the sidewalk, and boom, down about six and a half inches yeah. into slush that was so conveniently covered in snow, in nice, so you didn't see snow. it. Yeah. So, you know, there <sighs> that was my morning, so, you know, I rushed in, and uh, soaking wet. Yeah, that was a nasty feeling. It's almost spring, the groundhog said. Yes. Yeah. Can he be trusted? Well. I sure hope so. Well, folks, we've got your viewer questions, and hey, if you haven't already done so, get into our chat room. It's Category 5 on Freenode. We'd love to see you there. And uh, you can ask us your questions there. If we're not noticing your questions, all you need to do is uh, double-click on either Robbie F. or Sasha D. And that's going to bring up a private message. Now, I'm going to test Sasha here and just see see if if she knows what it means to get a private message. Hello, Sasha. So I'm I'm sending Sasha a private message. Uh, Let's bring up an itty-bitty version of my laptop. Do I have it No, let's actually make it big. Um... 
Yeah, okay, so here's what I do. I, I'm going to go Sasha D. I double-click on you, and then I say hello. See, there's my message down at the bottom. Hit enter. Now, all of a sudden, it pops up on your screen. Oh, See? over here. She's got it on her computer. I'm sorry if I've received private messages. She didn't know. That's why I'm showing. We're teaching Sasha right here on the air so that you can get a hold of us if you've got a viewer question. Are you replying to me? Yeah. Nice. Hi. Hello, Sasha. See, she will I will reply reply now. Okay. I didn't know. Yes. Okay. How do I get back? I just click up here, right? How do I get back? There we go. Okay. I'm good. Click on, yeah. Category okay. five. Okay. Yes, that's right. I've so got if, this. Yeah, there's, there's the chat. That's the private chat. That's category five right there. That's where we want to be. And hello, look at all of you beautiful people. Nice to see you. So don't forget, get your questions in. Say hi. Hey, Legion X1 and Sparkly J Lim. Albuquerque Turkey is joining us here tonight. And uh, Albuquerque Turkey reminds me. Oh, and Bob K54, nice to see you again. Uh, Albuquerque Turkey started sending in some more uh, news stories for the newsroom. And I appreciate that very much. Sasha, I think, appreciates that. I do. And uh, thanks to everyone who submits for the newsroom. You can do that by emailing newsroom at category5.tv. Just give us a summary of your favorite stories of the week that you want to hear, and uh, we will see if we can get them in. Make sure you give us the link uh, for the source article as well so that we can confirm the story. I love where the newsroom has gone. I remember where it came from, mm-hmm. right? I used to get just like a sheet of paper. It came from over there. I got a sheet of paper, and it yeah, just had right. the stories on it, right? Right. And now our sheet of paper just says news. Read the news. And then it comes up on the teleprompter. Yeah, I have a teleprompter. I have my own. Fancy schmancy. Save the trees. I like it. Uh, We now have our RSS feeds show, speaking of of the newsroom, there's so much new. the newsroom has its own RSS feed now. Right. Okay, so this is an update for you on our RSS feeds, which are growing. So you can actually tune into every single episode that is currently available of any of our shows, including New Every Day, including The Newsroom, including Category 5 Technology TV, The Drone Zone, uh, any of our other programming that uh, is currently available. Get it by going to our website, category5.tv. Scroll down to the bottom and click on subscribe, and you'll be able to get those RSS feeds. What does that mean for you? Automatic aggregation. I use a, an application called Podkiss, Podcast Addict. Podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking about oranges. Mm, delicious yeah. sun-kissed oranges. Um, a, a Podcast Addict is a great app that you can install on your mobile device, and it basically turns your phone into a podcast aggregator. So as we release a new episode every single week of any of our shows, you're going to get a notification on your phone, and you can just click on to listen to it uh, in MP3 format or to watch it in beautiful HD video as well. Now, do you have to be? Do you have to stream, or can you download it? Right. No, on. you can. It, what's neat about it, and I'd love to show you Podcast Addict at some point, but um, get it installed. What you can actually do um, is, and I, I don't have the phone hooked up to show you tonight, but right. um, you can. So let's say you're at home, you've got Wi Fi, it's free internet access, right. say, and so you see that a new show has come in, and it can be our show, it can be any one of your favorite shows if you're, if you're subscribed to any of them, and then you can click on to download that episode. So then what it does is it places it on your SD card or your internal storage. Right. Then when you are out and about, when data rates are high, or perhaps you don't have internet access, mm-hmm. it will play it from your internal storage. See, that's a great idea for people that are like traveling. You're on a train or on Absolutely. a plane. Absolutely, yeah. If you've got unreliable internet yeah, connection, or, or waiting in a waiting room somewhere, and mm-hmm. you just want to. Listen to you a can podcast. just yeah you just say okay well this week's episode download and it'll be ready in a couple of seconds for you and you can either you know get the audio version if you want to listen to it in the car because I don't want you driving and watching that's bad news uh, but uh, if you're going to be sitting on the train maybe the video is a good idea mm-hmm. as well so uh, beyond that uh, looking at our website one of the big enhancements as of late is that uh, we have uh, been improving our partners page yes. which is important because that's a real great way that you can support the show. And it's so easy. Sasha, you can just go, like, say you shop on Amazon, right? Yes. Let's just say you do. Let's just say you shop on Amazon. It's the biggest marketplace in the world. You probably shop on Amazon. If you go through category5.tv, our website, click Mm -hmm. on support the show, and then uh, shop through our sponsors, 
you'll see Amazon there, you'll see eBay, you'll see right. FreshBooks, you'll see products like ESET and other partners that we've had on the show. And if you use those links to make those purchases, if you click on the Amazon link... It just brings you to Amazon. Like, yeah. you click on the link, You don't know the Amazon. difference. It does nothing. No. It, you don't pay any more. It's nothing like that. But because it's a referral... Uh, they will actually um, give a percentage of each sale to mm -hmm. Category 5 TV. And that helps us to pay the bills. Uh, we're a group of volunteers here, and we do this for free. And we do things like our RSS feeds that we're giving you. It's absolutely free to subscribe and right. leech, right? You can download every single episode of the show there's no ads on that because you're downloading it. So right. we can't even stream ads to you. We can't show you banners. So, hey, shop through our partner links, and it's one of the ways that you can support us. Exactly. If, you, if you're already shopping on Amazon, it's like it's just as it. simple as just clicking the link and doing it. I'm going to, because I'm getting married in September in Newfoundland. She has to mention that once a show. Every single show until from now until then. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm super excited about it. You don't I, say. I'm flying there so i'm not bringing oh, yes. any of the things that you would need to decorate a hall or anything mm. i'm buying it all on amazon and getting really? it shipped there wicked that's a great idea change the shipping address right so i'll just get yeah. it shipped to dave's dad's house wicked for all of the little things i would buy anyway on amazon yeah right so and they have everything they do have they ev really do everything mm -hmm. it's easy to shop you can buy toilet paper on amazon like you can buy anything on amazon people do buy toilet paper through amazon through our partner links and i appreciate that thank you it's nuts sometimes i see <laughs> i see the weirdest things and I, it's not personally identified don't get me wrong i can't tell who it is or what where it's going or anything i just see a sales report so i, I get to see what has been mm -hmm. sold and and sometimes what's interesting is we'll sell you know a computer and we'll make x number of dollars off of that sale but then someone will buy something like shower gel. And it's like yeah. a huge margin on shower gel for some reason. I and I don't, I don't know the rhyme or reason behind it. You may it. have seen this because I definitely bought it at some point okay. accidentally. I bought, Whoops. not accidentally the first time, <laughs> but I bought like body, like Aveeno body lotion, okay. right? But I accidentally clip, clicked on something to like regularly order it. Once oh, a yes? month, but it took me two months before I realized <laughs> really? what I had done. I'm oh, like, that's amazing! Yeah, so. Alexa, buy Avino body yeah. lotion. Yeah, so I have a lot regularly. Of, yeah, I have, do not have dry skin. Tell <laughs> <So> you <laughs> on our partner page, as I was mentioning, uh, it has been enhanced. We now have coupons, so we have things like twenty five percent off with the logo company. If you need a logo for your company, uh, for your business, for your blog, for uh, just for whatever it is that you do, uh, mm -hmm. you need a logo. For your podcast, uh, you can go to the logo company through our website, get 25% off using the coupon. Also, GearBest Gear is an amazing store. You can get all kinds of gear, nerd yeah. gear, basically, uh, tech-centric, fun stuff, and clothing. Yeah, 15% all clothing right now. and then 15% 15 off every apparel item. Very, very cool. And if you don't want clothes, you want geeky stuff? Uh, 8% off of any of that and you can get that again you got to go through our website category5.tv for two reasons one to click the link on our partners page that's how we get credit and it's also how they how they get notified that you found them through right. us but two you'll find the, uh, the, the actual promotional coupon right. on our partners page and that's what you need to paste into your cart as you check out alright enough of uh, all of our fun stuff <laughs> our little Enough fun now. That's, yeah, that's, that's enough of the, the fun stuff off the top. Uh, we'll call that, like, just sweep, in, sweep that under the rug. Okay, that's important stuff. But uh, there was uh, a massive, massive WordPress exploit over the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking in... I, I lost count at about a half a million websites that had been compromised. That's and at crazy. that point... Yeah, it is. I mean, crazy, but okay, so why does WordPress get exploited? If you have a WordPress site, if you have a WordPress blog, a lot of companies have convinced themselves that they need to have a WordPress website, and part of that is because it's cheap to, de to deploy. Right. So a company will say, oh yeah, we can build you a website for only 800 bucks or only 1400 bucks, or, you know, oh, well, that's a lot better than the guy who's building a custom website uh, for 4000 you know, right. So if if they can deploy WordPress and everything is all built in anyways, and so it's really really cheap to get it up and running, it's free software. Mm -hmm. That's all fine and good. It's excellent 
excellent software. However, now that they've got their $300 website, it's up and running, we're making sales, and who's maintaining it? Who's making sure that all right. of the latest security patches are installed? I hope that you're with a managed WordPress hosting service, um, but if you're not, it falls behind. As it falls behind, um, these hackers and malicious users discover ways to break into websites, WordPress websites. Right. Every single week in the news, there's always a story about some security threat or flaw or some hacker getting in and doing something. This is just mm -hmm. another big one. Just another one where you think it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? So why does it happen to churches and government offices and individual people's blogs? Like, why is it that, you know, if I wanted to start my own blog just to talk about, you know, my dog. Right. Like my I'm going to get compromised, yeah. and it happens. Well, we fall into thinking nobody's going to attack my website because I'm just me. Exactly. I'm just, I'm just talking about, I'm blogging about my dog. Nobody's going to hack me. Well, the fact is, is that like phishing scams, like, um, like ransomware, uh, malware, and things like that, it's not targeted. And the moment that we realize that these are not targeted attacks, then we all of a sudden clue into the fact that we're vulnerable because yeah. these scripts, these r robots basically, we'll call them, they're called bots, but they're basically programs that are built for mal malicious purposes. What they do is they go out scouring the web and they find WordPress sites like yours that have not been updated. And if they find it, which it's very easy for them to find because they know what the exploit is, they've figured it out on a test system somewhere. Right. So then they, f they accumulate this list of tens of thousands or 250,000 websites that have this vulnerability that they've discovered, and then they flip the switch. It's right. not targeted at any one of those individual websites. Those are just the ones that they found and that they added to their list of ones to exploit. That's it. And then all of a sudden, your website becomes an attack vector for viruses, for malware, for ransomware. So people bring up your website, you know, you send a link to your website to mom and dad, and all of a sudden, all their files are encrypted. Mm -hmm. uh. Sorry about that. So if you run WordPress, you have to do this right now. Stop watching the show, pause the video, log into your WP login dash PH or dot PHP, get in there into the back end of super administrator and update your WordPress site. Now, right. with the current version, they've patched it. We've talked about uh, WordFence on the show before. Mm -hmm. Get onto our website, category5.tv, and do a quick little search for the, this one word, WordFence. And that's going to tell you all about some security software that's going to help protect you right. in a proactive way from these kinds of attacks. Uh, but the reason I bring it up tonight is because this is a very serious issue that is currently in the wild. Uh, it was discovered a couple of weeks back, and it hit like a ton of bricks, hundreds of thousands of WordPress websites. Right. So make sure now, you update. I mean, some people have Word, WordPress blogs and websites mm -hmm. that they just, they have just neglected. They just left it behind. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So if it's, for example, mine. Yeah. Um, which luckily you. Somebody updates it for you. You look after it. Yes. But let's say that, like, let's say I start two years ago. Yeah, I'm going to do a blog. Let's and just say that let's happened. Let's just say, hypothetically, this happens. And then after a few blog posts that I loved doing and still would love to get back to, I just let it go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And then I forget about it. So am I at risk because I've created it even though I'm not going on it? Is mm -hmm. there... Yes. Your site is at risk. My site is at risk. Your site also contains personal information about you, like right. your email address. Right. So Your password for WordPress. Right. So there are, there are people out there right now who aren't actively using their website or their blogs that still should be really Absolutely. paying attention. Yeah. If you have WordPress running or any software, Joomla, it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter what program it is. You've got to keep it up to date. But right now, this very time, it's crucial that you update WordPress. Yeah. All right. Okay. We've got to take a really fast break. If you have any questions about security, if you have any questions about keeping your WordPress blog or any other website secure and safe online, make sure you send us an email live at category5.tv. In the meantime, we've got to take a really fast break. We're going to be right back after this. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. 
What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find our website at category5.tv. Sasha's been collecting questions which have been emailed to you live at right. category5.tv. We've got your questions and comments from various platforms like Twitter. You can follow us there. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, and uh, we're also on YouTube, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're everywhere. Thanks, everybody, for sending them in. Okay, Chris, Kevin Lee uh, sent us a message this week. First of all, uh, says, Hi, Robbie. Uh, this tweet is actually related to episode 490. So this is last week, Chris, uh, was watching the show. It says, A friend's PlayStation 3 had problems, and I ran DD Rescue. This is something you learned on the show last week, episode 490. Uh, Her drive has got 27 errors, and he posted this screenshot. So thank you very much for that. That helps us. Uh, We're going to refer right back to that in just a a moment's time here. Uh, Carrying on with your your message there on Twitter, um, you said, I recommended her to replace the hard drive. Do you think that maybe that's the best option? Sasha, what do you think? I would say yes. I would say... Just go for it. Just replace repl- the drive. Replace the drive. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Do it. Get it one of those Kingston solid state drives. Absolutely get Do one that. of those Kingston, Kingston solid state drives. Why? What okay. would you say? I would investigate just a little bit further. <laughs> Okay, because here's the thing, Chris. We need to understand that errors do not necessarily mean failure. Okay, Um, hard drives over the course of their lifespan, sometimes they will encounter bad sectors and things like that. Let's refer back to your comment where you said that your scan using DD Rescue found 27 errors. So let's think about the process of running DD Rescue and what that means. Please refer back if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. I know Chris is, uh, but if you're watching this and you haven't seen it, go back to episode 490 mm-hmm. uh, of Category 5 Technology TV. It's going to teach you all about this. Um, but DD Rescue is it's trying to do a data recovery copy of your hard drive to an image file or another hard drive. Mm-hmm. So if you get 27 errors in the process, it's going. it basically means... 27 times I was trying to copy this block of data, which by default is very small, about 500 kilobytes. Um, uh, So unless you specify a larger size, and this is why I didn't show you to make a larger size, which would be faster, but because we're working with drives that we assume are probably problematic, we're going to work with smaller uh, block sizes. So as it's copying, it says 27 times I had trouble copying that. So there's a couple things here. First of all, you, you know that there's some data loss, okay? We're going to look at how much in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's copying, okay, DD Rescue can try again. But what DD Rescue does is it says, oh, okay, I found a problem here. This could mean that the drive is going to fail. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's really quickly skip over this and let's move on to the next sectors and let's keep going. Because it wants to get the most amount of data off of your hard drive as it possibly can before that drive fails because we're making the assumption that we might have a bad drive. Mm-hmm. So then you can run the scan again using your log file or you can set it up to loop back and uh, this is through the command line options so do a dash dash help to find out about those uh, or read the man pages and what it will do then is it will focus in on those 27 errors 
So think these are errors. These are not bad sectors, okay? okay? Remember the difference there. So it's not saying that these are bad parts of the drive. It's saying I encountered an error at that point while I was copying. So by going back over it again, DD Rescue may say, oh, okay, now that we've taken a bit more time, I've been able to get a couple more of those blocks. Okay. So all of a sudden, you're going to see that the error count goes down. Right. Because again, it's not referring to bad sectors, it's referring to a problem during the rescue process. Right. Which is going to decrease as it is able to go back over those. Mm -hmm. So let's look back at Chris's screenshot here. And Chris, one of the key things that we notice here is the error size. Okay, see that one just above your errors count? The error size is very small. This is a 250 gig disk. You can see that just to the left of, left of that, uh, or at least that's how much it had rescued, and we see that it's finished. So we can assume that this is probably a 250 gig disk because it's not going to be much, uh, much different than that because it's finished. So look at the error size, 124 kilobytes of 250 gigabytes. We're talking, what is that, 0.0003%, something like that. Mm -hmm. A very, very small. small amount of data. So chances, you know, it is data loss. Go back, let it loop over it, try to get that data and put it in your image file so that you've got all of the data and you don't lose any. Is the drive failing? Is it, has it failed? Is it, is it problematic? Is it something that needs to be replaced or that you need to be concerned with? Certainly, the fact that there are errors on the drive means that it is, there is something up, mm -hmm. okay? If it's, is it catastrophic? That's what we want to determine. So I'm going to jump over to my Linux system here for you, and uh, we're going to get into our terminal. So let's okay. do that. Make sure I bring up the right screen. Here we go. Okay, so... Chris, what we're going to do, and for all of you watching, uh, what we're going to learn here is how to determine if your hard drive is, in fact, failing, if there is something that sector-by-sector uh, -sector copy um, can't see, because those are two different readings. What we want to look at is the smart status of our hard drive. You've probably right. heard the term. What it means is there's, there's data that's stored on your hard drive about your hard drive's status. So every time there's a problem with your drive, it's going to report it. And okay. the only way to, to see that is to use a tool that looks at your smart data. So let's get in here and let's try it. Let's, I'm going to just see if I have it installed. So smart, did I say installed? Because I'm typing smart, smart. And I said, in, in, I don't know what I said. <laughs> We're going to see if I have it installed by <laughs> typing smart CTL. And it says, uh, obviously, I, I do have it installed because it's not giving me an error right. that the program is missing. Now, if it did give me an error that, there, that the program was missing, the, uh, the package that you want to install is, uh, so you would go sudo apt-get update, enter your password, and then once she's done, sudo apt-get install smart mon tools. That's what you're going to need, Chris and everyone else. Okay, and it says smart mon tools is already the newest version. That's what my system tells me. I've already got it in there. See that? Nice. Okay, so I'm good. So smart ctl-h is going to give you a little bit of information about how you use it. And uh, if you're in your terminal like this, you can scroll up. Cool. So what we need to do is we want to test or see the test results that are currently on that drive. Smart CTL dash dash all and then the drive, um, the drive dev assignment. We already know that because on episode 490, we used fdisk-l to determine that. Mm -hmm. um, let's do it again really, really quickly just so that we know. fdisk, no, I'm going to need sudo, pardon me, sudo fdisk-l. And we see that I only have SDA in my system. So SDA1 means partition, uh, the first partition. Two is the second, and the third, and the fifth, and the sixth are actually the fourth and the fifth. But <laughs> we know that the drive, yeah, figure that one out. Uh, the drive itself is called slash dev slash SDA. So I'm going to type smart ctl dash dash all slash dev slash SDA, and then hit enter. What does it tell us? Permission denied. Okay, why? Because I forgot sudo. Sudo, 
You have to be super user. There we go. Okay, so it gave me a big report here. And if I scroll up, you're going to see a couple of things. First of all, okay. Oh, no. It says pre-fail. Pre-fail, 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 oh. pre-fail. Oh, no. My drive is crashing. No. It's not. What? Don't freak out. Don't worry. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> Why? Why? Because the raw value is zero, zero. That means it never happened. Okay. What is this? Yeah. This is the type. The type of this particular error, raw read error rate, is pre-fail. So, oh, okay. So you're just looking in the wrong spot. Mm, so if my raw value for this particular line in the table happens to be greater than zero, then we know that we have a pre-fail error on our drive. That means it's about to crash. You're right. about to lose all your data. It might be a year from now. It might be a day from now, but you need to replace this drive if you see any reasonable number of pre-fail errors a happening on that drive. A reasonable number, is that anything greater than zero? What's a reasonable Realistically, number? yeah. I mean, if you've got a pre-fail error, you know that your drive is failing and we need to replace it. You know, you need to get rocking on, on that. Mm -hmm. If there's one or two or 50... Or 50? Yeah, I mean, if that's oh. the case, then, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd probably don't need to freak out right now. Don't, like, it's, it's failing, okay? Don't get me idea. wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I want you to yeah. replace it. But where you really, like, I mean, you could still be running your computer and have 50,000 pre-fail errors. Right. And you'll be, why is my computer so darn slow? Right. Because your hard drive, and you've seen this, where your hard drive gets really, really, like, choked it's up. really and all of a sudden, hard. Yeah, and then yeah. your computer just seems to freeze up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it starts working again. I know. And so then you think, oh, okay, it must have just been doing something. No, that's your hard drive pre-failing. That's the internal storage getting ready to crash, and that's called a pre-fail um, problem. So it's having trouble reading sectors of the drive, and that's, right. that's critical. That is really scary mm -hmm. to yeah. me. Yeah, so as that starts happening, now remember that Chris has followed the instructions on episode 490, right. made an image of his friend's hard drive, so now on Chris's laptop, there is a full image, a copy of this hard drive. So you can go out and buy a new hard drive, and then image that back, and she's lost no data. That's cool. Well, 120 some odd kilobytes of data, nothing significant, but maybe if you loop over a couple more times, it'll, it'll get rid of it. So look at this list, okay? And you see how some of them say old age? Look at this. Oh my goodness. Ah, 649. Oh, it's only old age. It's not pre-fail. What it's saying is that, yeah, this is normal for a drive that's been in operation for some time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is not something that you necessarily have to be concerned with. That particular thing is telling me that it has been, that my hard drive has been powered on for a total of 649 hours. Okay, that's and not a big deal, is it? So mine is obviously a fairly new drive. Right. So the fact that it says old age is not saying I have an old age hard drive. So when you say, when you see pre-fail, it's not saying your drive is pre-failing. No, it's saying this particular line in this table is about old age. It's reporting on old age. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Well, saying, it's this like, is the, t the it's reporting yeah. on the number of hours that's been yeah. online. So when you see six hundred and forty nine, I obviously do not have a hard drive that is of old age. Okay? Right now, if I saw something there that said ten million, then yeah, my drive is pretty old. Yes. So you see how so the pre fail stuff we're not really uh, we you know that's more critical. Right, and those are real hours. Stuff. Like, those are real 60-minute oh, yeah. hours. Like, if I turn off my laptop, it stops counting. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's real time. That's super accurate. That's real time. Okay, yeah. that's good. I do see, you know, some things here that I'm not sure what they are. Like, here's a pre-fail where I have 707, uh, but it says unknown attribute. So I'd have to look that up, which I will allow you to Google. Code number ID 170. What is it? Comment below. <laughs> Okay, Chris, and everyone else, I hope that, that gives you a little bit more insight. So, Chris, as you look at that report on your friend's hard drive, that's now when you can say, okay, well, I, yeah, okay, DD Rescue had some trouble copying some, some bits of data. Uh, running over it again may get that data off of there so that I've got a full image. What I really need to see now that I know that there are some errors with the drive is, is the drive in a pre-fail state? I can tell that by looking at those pre-fail lines and seeing if the raw value is a high number. And right. that's going to tell us that that drive is on its way out, if not already dead.
<laughs> All right. Um, Good luck. Other thing that Chris said is that he just bought Star Trek Voyager, the complete collection DVD. Nice. Using our partner li- links. Oh, Thank really? You. Oh, Thank thanks, you. man. Uh, cool. Star Trek Voyager, that's one of uh, Becca and my favorites for sure. I think you're really going to enjoy that. So let us know when you get it, how you enjoy it, how you like it. Yeah, you know what the chat mm-hmm. room did for me last week? And it's funny, I hope do? that I, I don't have that anymore. They started a, a list of movies that I should start watching to um, get myself a little cultured. Oh, yeah? <laughs> have you started any new un- shows? Well, no, I started a list of shows that I needed to okay. watch, and I left it you here. You left it here, and I recycled it you for recycled you? recycled it. Uh, so I had a list, and it's gone. Message her again, folks. The only thing I remember from it on the list was Minority Report, because that's the only one I had seen. <laughs> <laughs> what did we start this week? We've been looking for some good sci-fi. We know that Star Trek is about to start, Star Trek Discovery. Um, so very excited about that. But we've mm-hmm. been looking at things like um, Dark Matter is one that we just started. Okay. We're three episodes in. We're not too sure yet. What do you think? It seems pretty good. Yeah. You know, I will tell you, I did start watching something that I can, I can 100% thumbs down. Yeah? I, yes. What is it? The Santa Clarita Diet. It What's is. This? It is a show. It's a I Netflix turned it off original. right at the name of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a Netflix original, and yeah. it has some pretty... Good actors in it. Drew Barrymore is in it. I thought, oh, this would be well, funny. Well, this is a movie? No, it's a show. She's doing a TV show? It's a really? one episode. Oh, like or a well, mini- not one episode. One season. Just mini series or something? Yeah, I don't think it'll okay. be. It, I won't go beyond one season. Mm. That's for sure. It's that good. It's that good. It is horrible. <laughs> Do not watch it. Oh, boy. I, so there's I our anti-recommendation. Okay. Sorry, I love her, but... Uh, Sorry. I've been enjoying... We just started another one. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's about... They go back in time. There's a time machine. What's it called? It starts with an F. Anybody know? See, these are brand new to me. I never even heard of it. And Abigail Smith let me know about it. And so we started watching it. Um, Mm -hmm. We watched like three episodes of this one as well. Uh, What was it called? Has anyone got it in the chat room? I've got nothing. So Starts far. with an F. They go in a time machine. It's it's basically quantum leap right. meets modern technology, modern special effects, CGI, and they're jumping back in time to historical events. Uh, oh, they're that's going back neat. to like the assassination of presidents and uh, all these kinds of things because there's a bad guy, or seemingly so, who's trying to undo history, right? Or do something different about history, so they have to, I guess, stop it. Make sure that history does not get messed up. Right. It's pretty cool so far. So. Nobody in the chat room knows the name? No. Come on now. Uh, I'll figure it out and we'll let you know some other day. Yes. Somebody knows it. You're watching on YouTube. You know what I'm talking about. Please post the link or the, the information below, maybe even a link to the trailer. That would be fun. Um, who made... Wait. Yeah. Who made the Cody add-on? Let me just see if I can get back in here. Okay. On my Android TV, okay. Sparkly balls, NVIDIA, Shield, can't get much more decent. You're not making much sense. I know, I'm just reading, I'm reading fast. I'm trying to read fast. It makes no sense to me. Sparkly balls. Okay. The question makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you brought it up. Nice. Because it says, Sasha, see, you oh, see my name. Oh, you pinged her. You see? So now you've distracted, oh, I've got to read this. Wow, they're going to really go I tricking you. Uh, if you go to category5.tv. Yes. And you scroll way down to the bottom, get through all these amazing shows that we have, and click on subscribe. That's you see the Cody app here, the Cody channel. Oh, okay. And we can go get Cody plugin. And where does it take you but to our Cody plugin? Oh, that's good. There you go. And if you look at this, da 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 da, development version. These are versions. The, okay. Cody, the Cody plugin was developed by our viewer who so kindly submitted it to us. His name is Nate UK, and we love the guy. He's been a great help to us, helping us to build the Cody channel, helping us to build Plex. I take care of the Roku end of things because right. that's something that I do, and he's helped us with that. So if you have any pull requests, if you want to submit some additional features and things like that, you can head on over to the development version of the Cody channel and send in your pull requests. Or you can do it on the official uh, branch as well oh, on okay. Cat5TV, and it's all hosted on GitHub, so it's open source, and you can submit your own pull requests there. See, even though I did a really bad job of asking the question, you actually gave the right answer. 
Yes. That is perfect. We're going to jump into your newsroom, by the way. I'm much better at reading the news. Oh, okay. (laughs) So you ready to take it away? I believe I am. All right. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. We've got more coming up in just a couple minutes' time. First, over to the newsroom. Here's Sasha Dermatis. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. A tiny drone built to pollinate flowers has been built in Japan. A college network has been attacked with its own insecure IoT devices. A new implant method could give amputees direct nerve control of artificial limbs. Have a Vizio TV? It's spying on you. And a passenger carrying drone is ready to fly in Dubai. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah. I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women. Fashionable apparel at rock bottom. Super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cat5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, Now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, But of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Cat5.tv slash your best. That's right. Happy shopping. All right, I'm Sasha Duretis, and here are the top stories for the week of February 22nd, 2017. An engineer in Japan has built a 1.6-inch pollinator bot and successfully tested it in his lab. The drone's creator has armed it with paintbrush hairs that are covered in a special gel sticky enough to pick pollen up, but not so sticky that it holds on to the pollen when it brushes against something else. They write that his experiments with the tiny drone show that the drone can indeed carry pollen from flower to flower in the way an insect would, though he has yet to confirm that seeds result from this pollination. While flown by a human pilot, he next hopes to equip the drones with their own flower-recognizing technology. Four experts discussed the drones, asking, could a fleet of robo-pollinators replace or at least supplement bees? One said, there is no substitute for bees. Another pointed out that even if robo-bees are developed, some flowers will prove harder to pollinate than others. A third expert thought the technology could scale, though it would need to be mass-produced and the engineers would need to develop a reusable pollen-collecting gel. But a fourth expert remained worried that it just couldn't scale without becoming too expensive. I'm not sure that's going to be cheap enough not to make blueberries hundreds of dollars a pint, he says. Three of those experts also agreed that the best solution is just wild bees because domesticated or not, all they have to do is make sure to set aside enough land conductive to the bees' habitat. 
I oh my. agree. I agree. The you bees, agree? I, the bees just need a home. This sounds like this sounds like Jeff being missing the point entirely of the coolness of a pollinating drone. Okay, so here's the problem, and this could be a Jeff mindset of mine, but right. I did watch Black Mirror, and I know I've talked <laughs> about this in the past. That this I saw is, a TV show saw that TV. made it look terrible, so it's probably terrible. Yeah. Okay, so what, here, watch this show. Seriously. In the episode, they come up with tiny little robot bees. Literally. Yeah. And then they, the bees start assassinating people. And I can't quite make the connection as to why. But it's people who aren't liked very much. And you think that's where they're media. going with this? But... Okay, so these bees can recognize flowers and they pollinate flowers and they no longer need human direction to do it. So they, they form their own swarms and colonies and they start pollinating like crazy and everybody's happy about it. But then people start dying from the bees because this the bees is fiction. You're, you're making this up from a TV show. I know I'm making it up from a TV show, but it just seems like... Okay. It seems scary. Other side of the coin. Okay. Let's plant a garden on Mars. Okay? Okay. Let's take a whole, like, box load of pollinating robots, drones, okay. that are uh, autonomous, that will land themselves in a charging bay and then get up and fly out and pollinate again. Mm -hmm. So send that out in advance of humans being sent out. So that there's oxygen? So that there's oxygen, so that there's fruit, so that all of these things that, that would have had to have been transported on this ship are now there growing in okay. some kind of a hydroponics kind right. of thing. So, so we've got pollination happening. Sublimation of the bees, not a replacement yeah. of the Oh, bees. yeah. No as, far, so. no, as far as I'm concerned, as soon as humanity says, oh, we don't need bees anymore, then there's a big problem. No, I don't think that's where they're going. Okay. It's a supplemental thing. Or I think it would really work well in that kind of an environment right. where they don't need to have air to get started on pollinating and stuff like that, I guess. Right. Okay. All right. So you should do maybe your own happy robo bee show and my watch own that. happy robo bee show robo bee show we'll call it robo bee by robbie <laughs> okay <laughs> i i do encourage you though to watch that episode of black mirror just so you see where i'm coming okay. from okay all right i feel like we've already seen it here today <laughs> An attacker compromised over 5,000 IoT devices on a campus network, including vending machines and light sensors, and then used them to attack that same network. ZDNet confirms, in this instance, all of the DNS requests were attempting to look up seafood restaurants, though the attack was eventually blocked by cybersecurity professionals. Verizon, Verizon's managing principal of investigative response blames the problem on devices configured using default credentials and says it's only going to get worse. Mm. There's going to be so many of these things used by people with very limited understanding of what they are. There's going to be endless amounts of technology out there with people and people are easily going to be able to get access to. The article suggests ensuring that the IoT devices are on a completely different network to the rest of the IT estate. But it ends by warning that until IoT manufacturers bother to properly secure their devices and the organizations which deploy them learn to properly manage them, DDoS attacks by IoT botnets are going to remain a huge threat. Sure. We've talked about this before. This yeah. is all about passwords and protecting it kinda, things. It kind of it kind of does become a little bit of review uh, mm -hmm. here on the show, but um, yeah, I think you know the the thing is is that we get an internet cable modem sent to us by our cable provider f to give us internet access. We mm -hmm. plug it in, it works. We've got access to Wi-Fi, and so we're happy. Mm -hmm. We never think that okay, well, it has the passwords on it that my internet service provider pre-configured mm -hmm. those passwords are readily available on the internet yeah so as soon as somebody puts together a script that goes out and searches for say printers we talked about this last week yes uh, 150,000 printers were compromised because they had the default usernames and passwords mm -hmm. people connect them to their network because they want to be able to print to them wirelessly and but now they're compromised yeah so no we've got to set up Strong passwords, even on our internal devices, our Internet of Things. 
Exactly. That's it's the it's really hard to get yourself in the mindset that this is actually something you need to do. It's right? a connected device. But if We've got to realize it's not it, it, just because it's in my house, just because yeah. it's sitting in my basement on a shelf, doesn't mean that it's not accessible by the rest of the world. Exactly. Mind you, right now I'm having a hard time accessing my own wireless printer, so I feel like nobody else is going to be able to access it. <laughs> you think it so, eh? When it starts spewing out robots, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. A group of researchers have developed a new kind of human-machine interface that detects individual neuron signals for use in controlling artificial limbs. The group's findings, published on February 6th in the journal Nature, were reached using a virtual prosthetic rather than a physical device. But the authors say that their neuroelectric interface could greatly improve on existing prosthetic control methods and gave six subjects who had lost arms intuitive control of multiple degrees of freedom. Current prosthetics mostly rely on signals from a user's muscles, sometimes after reconnecting them to nerves from their missing limbs. But according to the new paper, that method generates relatively imprecise data. In the new study, researchers still used muscles as a sort of amplifier, reading their signals with implanted electromyographical sensors. But they filtered the noise of the muscle activation, giving more direct readings of neuron signals. Then they mapped the nerve signals that would normally control particular motions and used them as inputs for the virtual prosthetic. This gave test subjects much more accurate and precise control. By one metric, they got an average of 97% signal accuracy compared wow. to between 70 and 85% for existing methods. That's incredible. In addition to enhanced motion accuracy, the use of decoded neural information generally showed more accurate measurement of the force of the subject's intended movements. While there is some advanced work on myoelectric sensors that can control prosthetics without being surgically implanted, this new method could offer benefits that outweigh the inconvenience of surgery. I would agree. The next step for the team will be to demonstrate its effectiveness with a physical prosthesis. I love this. Now, I don't know how many people know. My mother is a thalidomide baby. She was born with like only one and a, like a half arm, right? Okay. So she has her arm up to her elbow. But she was born that way. She's she not was an born amputee. That. She's not an amputee. Okay. But I'm thinking, I mean, as things develop now, I mean, I don't know whether or not this is going to work in her case, especially with the fact that she is not young. Um, right. <laughs> I love you. Um, but so there's some time that needs to develop but can you imagine if you're born with like not a full limb mm -hmm. that you could actually as a child and as you grow like develop the ability to use both of It'd your be hands astonishing i think the only like, thing just, you'd be lacking at that point is the sense of feel the sense of they, touch but could they program that in Right? Maybe. Because I mean, it's just a matter of your brain recognizing it, true, right? True. So you might be able to program in a sense of it's touch. It's got to be artificial, though. Yeah, but I think you could do it. I think it could be done. <laughs> Sasha's right? going to figure that out. Right? I'm then, just impressed with the fact that they can control an arm with 97% accuracy. And I'm saying arm. but So now, in your mom's case, what I wonder is, because she was born that way, are the nerve endings there? that would need to be tapped into. I would think so. Yeah. Like, there's nerves down her arm, I don't know how right? that... Yeah, yeah. So there's, sure. there must be, right? It's just a matter of training the brain, right? If you do it at a young enough age, yeah. I don't know what the neuroplasticity is later on in I life, don't even but, know how to say that, let but, alone what it is. Right, but I'm thinking, like, in the future... Okay, so now I'm on Team B, because now I'm thinking, in the future, if you can do things like that, then, then that robot hand, right, the prosthetic, it might be able to touch something cold and actually get a feedback into it, yeah, into maybe. the brain sure. that that's cold or that's hot, but without hurting you. Oh, it's amazing. But right now they're talking about the ability to control, <laughs> control the it. pressure. I know. So to you be able to, to be able to, you know, to do that, you know, like we take for granted right. that, you know, there's, there's a hit, there's a punch, and right. then there's the, the soft touch. And for somebody who doesn't have or has lost a limb. Or to tie shoelaces. Like that takes intricate, sure, delicate, yeah. you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So cool. Okay. Vizio, one of the world's biggest makers of smart TVs, is paying $2.2 million to settle charges that it collected viewing habits from 11 million devices without the knowledge or consent of the people watching them. Your TV is watching you. 
According to a complaint filed Monday by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, internet-connected TVs from Vizio contained ACR, short for Automated Content Recognition Software, without asking for permission. The ACR code captured second-by-second -second information about the video the TVs displayed. The software collected other personal information and transmitted it along with viewing data to servers controlled by the manufacturer. Vizio then sold the data to unnamed third parties for purposes of audi audience measurement analysis and tracking. The tracking started in February 2014 on both new TVs and previously sold devices that didn't originally ship with ACR software installed. The software periodically appended IP addresses to the collected data and oh also made it possible for more detailed personal information including age, sex, income, marital status, household size, education level, home ownership, and home values to be associated. This is ridiculous. The collection occurred under a setting that was described as smart interactivity feature a smart interactivity feature that enables program offers and suggestions. So it sounds kind of benign. The menu never informed users that the feature also transmitted viewing habits or other personal information. In addition, security researchers had previously found that the Vizio TVs failed to properly validate the HTTPS certificates of servers they connected to when transmitting viewing habit data. Um, that made it trivial for anyone who had the ability to monitor and control the internet traffic passing between the TV and the Vizio servers to impersonate the servers and view or tamper with the transmitted data. Under the terms of the settlement, Vizio will pay $1.5 million to the FTC and $700,000 to the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs. The settlement also requires Vizio to delete all data collected before March 1st, 2016. I don't know that that's enough of a punishment, to be honest. I don't, I don't like that. No. You can't lie and say you're doing... They didn't lie. They just didn't tell the truth. That is, that is samesies. That's lying. Would you like this really cool feature? What would you say to that yeah, question? Yeah, interactivity. Yes. Like, yes, of course. Yeah. Do you want I us, want that. Do you want us oh, to recommend Oh, by the way, we're doing you? all this stuff behind of the scenes. Of course you can yeah. rec recommend what I would like because you know exactly what I'm watching. <laughs> At least and they got called on it. Holy. Yeah. Holy. That is ridiculous. How can you do that? Does anyone who's watching this own a Vizio TV? And if so, please comment below uh, what action you have had to take in order to protect your personal confidential data. How does this make you feel? They wouldn't even know that they're until this exact yeah. moment that their data. Oh, sorry to break yeah. it to you. Your TV. Your is, is there a Vizio logo right there? If you're watching us on a Vizio, the Vizio is watching you watch us. That's we crazy. in turn are purchasing your personal data. Yeah. That's I know crazy. where you live. Your household income. Oh, I don't <laughs> like it at all. <sighs> That's okay. the world we live in, folks. Okay, this is something cool about the world we live in. Oh, awesome. I du need cool. Yeah. Dubai is about to have a passenger carrying drone regularly buzzing through its skyline of the, of the futuristic city-state. The arrival of the Chinese-made Ehang 184, which has already... Had, has had its flying debut over Dubai's iconic sail-shaped skyscraper hotel, comes as the city has partnered with several cutting-edge technology companies to introduce futuristic transportation, including a hyperloop, a hyperloop, Elon Musk's floating pod that travels at speeds of up to 1,220 kilometers an hour. The question is is whether Ehang 184 passenger drone will really take off as a transportation alternative in this car-clogged city already home to the world's longest driverless metro, lo metro line. The head of Dubai's Roads and Transportation Agency said in speaking about the drone, this is not only a model. We have actually experimented with this vehicle flying in Dubai's skies. That's cool. The craft can carry a passenger weighing up to 220 pounds and a small suitcase. Or, <laughs> alternatively, a suitcase weighing 220 pounds or a sm and a small person. And a small person. A small person. Or two people 
sitting on each other's laps at 110 pounds. <laughs> Not sure each. that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> After strapping into its race car style seats, the craft's sole passenger selects a destination on a touch screen in front of the seat, and the drone flies there autonomously. The drone, which has a battery allowing for a half-hour flight time and a range of up to 50 kilometers, will be monitored remotely by a control room on the ground. It has a top speed of 160 kilometers an hour, but authorities say it will, op it will be operated typically at 100 kilometers an hour. The drone has been examined by the Dubai Civil Aviation Authority, who revealed it was controlled through 4G mobile internet. It is poised to begin regular operations in July. Okay, so the last part leads me to the question. Okay, 4G mobile internet. So It's like your phone. Your phone. So cellular Okay, so service. sometimes your cellular network crashes. Yeah. Like sometimes there's a solar flare. I think that's what causes it. I don't know, actually. <laughs> the positioning of the moon. I don't know, like sometimes, sometimes your network crashes. And if your network crashes... What happens to your solo pod flying Dubai guy? Okay, well, it uses. Well, <laughs> Bye, I guess Dubai the question guy. becomes what does it use LTE for? Right. To communicate back with, you know, with central command kind of thing right. for the autonomous uh, cloud infrastructure that powers its brain? Quite possibly. I would expect that yeah. it, it must, you know, that's how it must communicate back to central command, right? But the fact is, it's going to have a GPS. It's going to have autonomous GPS units that Hope communicate that's. with the GPS satellites. And at any time, uh, if you've ever flown a drone that has GPS, you're going to be connected to four or five or more uh, GPS satellites at any given time. So if one goes out of range or loses connection, you're, com you're communicating with others right. at the same time. But quite often, I mean, if this is anything like, and this is going to be, this has to be, like this is carrying a passenger. So it's got to be the best autonomous features of drone usage and i've flown my drone and i know that if i lose satellite signal it's going to just hover there or okay. it's going to you know if, if in in good cases it's going to return home to me or it's going to just um there's there's a couple of different modes but uh, if i lose connection with my controller i can either have my drone sit hovering okay. automatically or come back home to me Okay. So it would have features like that. So if LTE lost connection, it would say, okay, I've lost connection. Either hover here or safely land at a, you know, maybe they have specific landing sites that are allowed to land at that. That's true. That I, I, it was a great story until I heard cellular network and I thought, oh, sometimes my cell phone's a little dodgy. I got thinking about the fact that, you know, we think about it traveling at 100 kilometers an hour when it can go faster. And you think 100 kilometers an hour, that's not very fast. Um, considering people do, you know, here around here, 120 on the highway is not unheard of. Right. Um, sometimes faster. Not not myself, but you see people zooming by me. Uh, so it doesn't sound very fast when we're traveling like that. But when you're in a clogged, congested city where traffic is stopped, yeah, yeah, 100 kilometers an hour is going to be like paradise for the guy who's got to get to work. Could you imagine having these buzz around like crazy? Yeah. Wait. Direct line. Like, yeah. I'm going to work, so all of a sudden this takes me up like a cab and takes me directly to work and lands on the roof and I get out and I'm there. Right. No having to go through the turns and traffic lights and everything. This is not it's bad. Cool. This is not bad it's at all. Cool. Now there's a whole bunch of people that are like, I need to get down to 220. <laughs> Doing some lunges while they're waiting for this to develop. <laughs> <laughs> Puts down the bucket of chicken. Free bucket of Aww. chicken. I, I want to fly the drone. Sorry. They will be coming in an extra large model sometime <laughs> later. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. And again, our website is Category5.tv. We've got your questions. We've got your comments. You've sent them in by email. You've posted them on our YouTube, on our Twitter, on our Facebook. Sasha, let's uh, knock out a couple of these uh, before yes. we wrap up the show, because I know folks are eager to get out of here because <laughs> we're, we're at the one-hour mark. No, I'm just kidding. I no. know you want us to go long, and so we will. 
And so we will. Yeah. Larry says, hi, Robbie. Hey, I Larry. Hi, Larry. I watched the Cat 5 episode about Vortex Box, which was episode um, 338. 338? Yes. And That's going back. Yes. Because we're, what episode are we now? We're 491. 491. <laughs> One a week. Yes. Now I have a free PC to use Vortex Box. Can it be used on this PC without an operating system? Also, can I put on a virtual box virtual machine? That was March 11th, 2014 that we did that episode. Oh. That's actually not that long ago. Two years ago. So thanks in advance Three for your years. help. Three years. It's 2017, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, Larry. <laughs> Vortex Box is a pretty cool tool. Do go back and watch episode number 338. It is not obsolete, although the Vortex Box website, I notice, is down right now. Uh, looks like their hard drive crashed, and for some reason, they're down. That's bad, man. But anyways... That aside, um, can you use it on a PC without an operating system? First of all, for those of you wondering, what the heck is Vortex Box? It's a cool tool. Go watch episode 338. <laughs> it allows you to turn a computer, an old computer, into a ripping machine. You pop a CD in, it copies it to MV3s, and you're done. Super cool. Done. It gets all the information off of the web through the, the online CD database and everything and labels the files with the, with the song names and the artist name and the year it was produced and the genre and all this. No. All the ID3 tags are done for you, and all you had to do was put the CD in and close it and then, then wait for it to eject again, and, and it was done. Um, so Vortex Box is in and of itself its own operating system, Larry. It's, uh, if I recall correctly, now that's going back, but it was based on Fedora. Um, so it's a Linux operating system that you would install on the bare-bones hardware. So that old computer that you've got there that you want to turn into a Vortex Box, mm -hmm. you do, in fact, you don't need an operating system on it, okay? So, so you get yeah. this straight. It doesn't have to have Windows. It doesn't have to have Linux on it because you're, in fact, going to wipe it out. Uh, so it just has to have some, some kind of storage on it that you're going to be able to install Vortex Box on. So Vortex Box becomes the operating system. That is you're, cool. Yeah.